Welcome to the Battle Cry Podcast with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. You can watch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Convention of States Facebook and Rumble channels. Hey everyone, Mark Meckler here with your Sunday Night Battle Cry. Super excited to be with you guys. I love Sunday nights. I love them for so many reasons. One is there's usually a long weekend spent with the family behind me, and I love that. I love hanging out with my family. This week, I had the opportunity to actually spend Saturday in New Jersey with the New Jersey family at COS Fest in New Egypt, New Jersey. And for those of you who aren't from New Jersey, and you might think of New Jersey as some kind of impossible lost place to conservatives, I can tell you haven't been there a lot. I've been there many times, including yesterday. I can tell you it's a great place with a bunch of wonderful conservatives. We don't write off any state. I don't care how blue you tell me your state is. I don't care care where you are in the country. We look at the blue states as opportunity plus, not as something that's lost. So yesterday, thanks again to my friends in New Egypt, New Jersey, and all the folks from all over New Jersey and the Eastern Seaboard who came for COS Fest. It was a blast. Okay, we always have an action item for you guys, right? We always have something that we want you to do, want you to focus on for the week ahead. And this week it's about elections. And I know that might seem a little weird to you guys because it's not time for elections yet, right? I mean, we're not talking until about 2024, but if we don't think about elections way in advance, then we don't succeed in elections. And so what I mean by that right now is what we should be doing right now is seeking candidates. In other words, you should be thinking about whether you are gonna run or not. I know you might be sitting there, you might be thinking, me, I'm not capable of running. I'm not a politician. I don't want to be a politician. I've never thought about being a politician. Awesome. You're the perfect person. We don't need politicians. We need citizen legislators. We need folks who are in it for the public service. So if you've never thought about running before, that just might be you. And so this is really important for you to think about, can you run? Should you run? Who do you know should run? Look for people who have a pre-existing base. What I mean by that is, People who are known in their churches, maybe they're an elder in their church, they've served for a long time, they have a big network. Maybe it's a school teacher, so they have a lot of parents they know, might be a physician who's had a lot of effect on a community, they've got a big practice, they know thousands of people in their community. It might be somebody who served as a mayor, and so they're well known in your area, but now maybe it's time for them to move up to county board or to the state legislature. So I want you to be thinking about those people. Think about people you know that are very well-spoken in public. You know, this is one of the requirements. If you're not and you still want to run, that's okay. All you need to do is join a Toastmasters group. I spent years in Toastmasters honing my speaking skills. It's something that you can develop. Make sure that you it's somebody who understands policy, right? It's not just enough to speak well or have a network. They've got to understand what do they stand for and not just whatever their core issue is because All of us have a thing or a couple of things that we're most passionate about. But if you're going to run for office, you got to know all the things facing your constituents, your potential constituents. So you got to have somebody who knows a lot about this stuff or is willing to study that stuff. So all of these things are things to think about when you're thinking about candidates. But the one thing I want to ensure you that you have to do right now is think about candidates. Because if you wait until next year, if you wait until 2024, the election year, you're too late because it's time to start building your network. It's time to start seeing if you could actually raise money. It's time to start getting trained on speaking, going out and speaking in public, uh, going to church more often, volunteering for more events, so that you get your name, your face out there, and you get the experience of being in public, or the people that you know that are good at it do. And 
And if you're recruiting somebody, by the way, have multiple people go to them. It's not enough for you to say, hey, Joe, you should run for office. You need to do it. You need to get their cousin to do it. You need to get their clients to do it. You need to get their friends to do it. That's what's going to cause somebody to seriously consider. So this is the time. Go out there, recruit candidates, decide if you can be a candidate. We're going to tell you some stories over the coming year of people who've done just that, never expected to be in a legislature, never expected to be a mayor on a city council or on a school board. Now they are, and they're the ones that are making the real difference. So that's our battle cry for this week. That's our action item is go out and find candidates or decide to be a candidate. There's a lot of things in the news this week. You know, I, I know the biggest story in the news this week, the one that the media reported on the most, is about President Trump's indictment. And we're going to get to that. It's just that I don't think that's the biggest story. I think it's big. I think it's huge. I think it's the elephant or the Trump offense in the room. We have to discuss it, whether I want to or not. But I think the bigger story is the story about what's coming out about the Biden's long-term corruption. I don't think it's an overstatement to say the Biden family is a crime family. Uh, his son, Hunter, is an admitted criminal. He's a guy who violated federal firearms laws by lying on a federal firearms form uh, where he said that he wasn't a drug abuser when indeed he wrote a biography that said during that time he was a drug abuser. So he absolutely lied on his application form to get a firearm, which he did ultimately get. Uh, and then all kinds of altercations over that firearm subsequent. But the important thing to note, he violated federal firearms law. You've got Hunter Biden flying all over the world, often with his dad, collecting bags of cash for being an expert in the oil and gas industry and other industries, except, except he's not an expert in anything, except for maybe smoking crack, hiring prostitutes, and spending outrageous sums of other people's money, you know, shaking down foreign governments. Those are the things he's an expert in. But he was getting, say, at least $50,000 a month from Burisma. And now Burisma, Ukrainian oil company, in the news again, because the FBI has possession of a Form 1023, which is a, a whistleblower informant form, which says they have information on somebody they want to go to the FBI with. Apparently, several years ago, they went to the FBI with information on Hunter, and wait for it, Joe Biden, that they were involved in a bribery scandal. Uh, at least $10 million exchanging hands. It looks like the witness on the 1023 is a credible witness. Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, refused to turn this over to Congress, even though it is not a top security or a clearance required document. It's, it's nothing like that. And he ref they refused to turn it over. Eventually, it took threats from Congress to get them to allow Congress to view it. Uh, Senator Grassley has reviewed it. Go James Comer has reviewed it. Representative Comer is on the House Oversight Committee. And they're talking about what they saw in that document. And they saw allegations, despite a bunch of redactions, which removed Joe Biden's name. They saw a bunch of allegations that the Bidens, uh, specifically Hunter and apparently Joe, had received at least $10 million. Now, remember, Joe Biden is on record, on tape, in public, bragging about how he had a prosecutor removed from office by threatening to withhold aid from Ukraine. Okay, now, this is a direct threat. Remember, President Trump was apparently in big trouble for his phone call with the Ukrainians for asking them to look into corruption. And there was some implied threat. There was an implied tit for tat. Well, apparently this was a direct threat because Joe Biden has said it on the record repeatedly, he told them they were not going to get $6 billion in aid 
Uh, I think it was the number, maybe it was a billion. Uh, it was within six hours. He was leaving in six hours. If you don't fire this particular prosecutor who was looking into Burisma corruption, Burisma wanting to do business in the United States, Burisma being the company that employed Hunter Biden for $50,000 a month to do nothing except for grease the skids with him with his dad. Uh, his dad never admitting that he knew anything. Joe Biden never admitting that he knew anything about his son's business deals. Now all falling apart. The 1023 has all this information in it. Apparently, the source saying he fears for his own life uh, and apparently saying that there are 17 recordings, 15 conversations with Hunter Biden, two conversations with Joe Biden, and that they're required for, uh, quote unquote, or acquired for insurance in case any of this stuff ever came out. So this is getting pretty squirrely. And as you know, there's been a massive investigation by the FBI. Joe Biden's house was raided. The White House was raided. His home in uh, Delaware was raided. Hunter Biden's homes have been raided. No? no I, I, none of that happened, apparently. Apparently, none of that happened because we don't have a justice system. We don't have a justice department. We don't have an FBI that seeks justice. We have an injustice system. We have a system that is designed to protect the ruling status quo. And by that, I mean mostly the leftists who control those institutions. So no, there's no investigation. Years and years and years and years of investigations against Donald Trump based on no evidence whatsoever. Literally the Steele dossier totally fabricated. Everybody knew it. Years of investigations, millions of dollars spent, ultimately culminating in the raid on Mar-a-Lago in Florida, President Trump's personal home. <clears throat> but Joe Biden? Yeah, nothing. Joe Biden, they find classified documents everywhere. Where haven't we found classified Joe Biden documents? You've got it in the uh, Chinese center uh, there at Penn. Uh, I think it was University of Pennsylvania, right? They've got documents there. They've got them in Biden's garage next to his Corvette. Uh, very, very secure, I'm sure. Like I would treat my Corvette, my classic Corvette, if I had one, more carefully then Hunter, then uh, Joe Biden treated those classified documents which were stored next to his Corvette, which anybody who couldn't could have gotten that in that garage. Hunter Biden staying at that house with his drugs and his prostitutes, but no serious investigation into that. There's an independent investigator. Have you heard anything? Any leaks? How, how come it seems like on President Trump's investigations, there are leaks every five minutes? Nothing on Hunter Biden's. Nothing like that. No speedy prosecutions. No speedy uh, raids. No, nothing like that. Everything with Joe Biden, it's all hunky-dory. But right now, it appears maybe maybe that uh, little trap is closing around him because it appears there were millions of dollars paid. It appears there are audio recordings. It appears there was a credible witness who is a known FBI informant, a credible FBI informant that says all this stuff. So we'll see what happens. If there is any sense of justice, which I don't believe there is, then there will be quick and immediate investigation and prosecution, highly unlikely. Meanwhile, speaking of immediate investigations and prosecutions, you all saw it this week, something absolutely historic, which is the indictment of a former president, current front-running presidential candidate, the sworn political enemy of Joe Biden, running against Joe Biden for the presidency, is arrested by the wannabe dictator, Joe Biden. And you know, there's a lot of controversy apparently because Fox had a Chiron, a, you know, a lower strip that said wannabe dictator Joe Biden has his political opponent arrested. But this is how it works in banana republics. If you go to third world countries, 
there's an administration comes in, they serve. When they get thrown out, then what happens is the next administration investigates, indicts, and imprisons their former, uh, their, the former political powers that be, their political enemies. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. This is a hallmark of a banana republic. And apparently now, Joe Biden and Merrick Garland have decided, let's go the full Monty. This is what the United States of America is going to be. So there's two sides or two important parts of this case against Donald Trump that I want to talk about. Number one is what I started with, the fact that this is completely, totally, utterly, transparently political. It's not about the facts of the case because you know that prosecutors have prosecutorial discretion about whether to bring a case. The ultimate discretion of the DOJ lies with Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland's boss is Joe Biden. They can say, absolutely not, we're going to do this because we won't do this because it's going to break our system of governance. That was the right thing to do in this case. Now, we may not like this, but that's what Donald Trump did with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton had classified materials on a server that she was intentionally using to avoid FOIA open records requests. That's why she did it. The ser server was unsecure. It was stated by James Comey that the information on that secure, secure server, the classified documents and all of Hillary Clinton's emails were easily accessible to foreign powers and probably ended up in the hands of foreign powers. You know, we also know that they ended up in the hands of Anthony Weiner because they were on Anthony Weiner's laptop. You may remember Anthony Weiner as the husband of Huma Abedin. Huma Abedin was Hillary Clinton's private uh, personal assistant. So Anthony Weiner had a lot of stuff in his hands, which I'd rather not go into. But one of the things he had his grimy mitts on, uh, including all this, I think, child porn and a bunch of crazy stuff, uh, pictures, naked pictures he was sending of his genitals to people. But one of the things that was on that laptop were Hillary Clinton's emails. And so this is the way she handled state secrets, not in a closet, in a secure residence like Donald Trump. I'm not justifying that, but not like that, but on a server where the entire world had access to it, right? And where James Comey tells us they probably got all of these emails. So she doesn't get prosecuted. I think Trump at the time made the wise move. Don't prosecute your political enemies. That's Banana Republic stuff. So he didn't do it. But now the seal is off. The genie is out of that bottle. Once you decide to prosecute a former president, now every former president is going to be prosecuted. And by the way, I would say at this point, I absolutely entirely encourage it. They need to go after Joe Biden. They need to go after Hunter Biden. They need to go after James Biden, the, the president's inept brother who has done nothing in his life except for collect bags of cash based on Joe Biden's name. The same for Hunter. The same, this seems to be a family thing. We have at least nine Biden family members receiving cash through a myriad of shell companies, which are specifically used to hide financial transactions. So it's time to dive into those shell companies. It's time to find out what they're actually doing. I don't expect we'll do that until we have a Republican president, whether that's Trump or DeSantis or whomever it is, whoever your horse in the race is, I encourage them to wholeheartedly go after and absolutely prosecute because the Democrats have to learn when you escalate, then your political opponents will escalate and not to the same level, maybe twice as much or five times as much, because that's the only way we're going to stop this madness is it's mutually assured destruction. It's not what I hope for. I don't think it's what Republicans more broadly hope for. And I don't necessarily think Republicans have the stomach for it or the fortitude to do it, but they have to do it. There's going to have to be severe and crushing repercussions. Otherwise, 
what's going to happen is Republicans are going to get crushed by this stuff. Democrats are going to be free to do whatever they want. So this scandal is breaking loose in regard to the Bidens. You've got Trump being indicted. I got to say, look, I don't like the stuff that Trump did. I'm just going to be honest about it. Trump should know better. He's under intense scrutiny. He's under more scrutiny than anybody in the world. That means you act more carefully. And it appears that he may not have acted very carefully, to say the least. Now, I think there's a lot of problems with the case from a legal perspective. It was an intrusion on attorney-client privilege, I think in a way that might be very well unconstitutional. Uh, it's a question whether the original warrant at Mar-a-Lago was even reasonably justified. I think there's a lot of suspect aspects of this case. That doesn't mean that Trump acted well. I don't think he did act well. Uh, I don't think the case for a lot of reasons is necessarily going to hold up. Some of it will, some of it won't. One of the things that I try to do as a rational observer is not let my emotions in. So I'm going to tell you the facts as I see them. Right? I am a lawyer. I know how to look at this stuff from a lawyer's perspective. It doesn't make me right. Right? I'm not an expert in everything, but I do know how to look at it with a legal mind and a legal eye. So I'm going to tell you what I think of it. I'm going to tell you I think there's some risk here. I'm going to tell you that I think there's some places where the case is really shoddy. And I'm going to tell you I'm withholding judgment. I think it's wrong. It's bad. It's detrimental to the United States of America. What the, how the case itself sets up. I don't know all the facts yet. So on the case itself, I'm withholding judgment. I think it's bad. I think it's unprecedented. I think it's damage to the Republic. And I think it shouldn't have been done. I think it's completely unjust. And it shows that we have a justice system that is an injustice system. And there's going to have to be retribution for this kind of behavior. So that's kind of my read on the Trump case. I know some people will be mad at me. I'm supposed to say it's all bogus. It's all cooked up and Trump gets off no matter what. I'm not going to say that. Uh, it might be satisfying to some. I'm going to be honest about what I find outrageous about it and why I think it shouldn't have been done. I'm also going to be honest where I think there are risks and I think that Trump probably behaved inappropriately. All right, moving on to something that is looking pretty good these days, I would say. As bad and dark as it is, the incredible madness of gender ideology is under assault here in the U.S. and all over the world. The trans wars continue. And I think when we look back on this period, that's what we're going to call it, the trans wars. Gender ideology is madness. The trans wars are on with the quote-unquote trans community making war on sane society. And it's important to note, I'm not the first to say this, this is not a fight about just Democrats versus Republicans or liberals versus conservatives. It's not just a fight by the alphabet soup lobby versus people who don't believe in that lobby. This is a fight of insane versus sane. It's a fight of madness versus rationality. It's a fight of crazy people versus sane people. And of course, the trans lobby, the crazy people are on the left here. They're the ones who believe that it's a good idea to let little kids decide that they want their genitals chopped off and that there's a billion dollar industry chopping the genitals off of little kids feeding the kids pornography, taking the kids to drag shows, giving the kids life-altering, damaging drugs that we have no idea what's going to happen after the long over the long haul, except for we know it's going to damage kids. That's the trans war that's been engaged, and it's been engaged against normal people in society. It's the normals against the crazies. And right now, the good news is normal people are starting to win. This has been flying under the wire for a long time. It's not under the wire anymore. I would argue a lot of that because of the leadership of Matt Walsh and the Daily Wire. They've been willing to take this on despite great risks to themselves. Obviously, Matt Walsh made the incredible movie, What is a Woman? 
that was very controversial recently, a year after its release, because it got run on Twitter, it got shut down, it got reopened, Elon Musk tweeted about it, really made an incredible impact on society. By the way, if you have not seen What is a Woman, my recommendation, go become a member of The Daily Wire. I'm not getting paid to say that. Full disclosure, I have a lot of friends at The Daily Wire. Every time I'm in Nashville, I go visit them. I love Matt Walsh, I love his producer, Sean Hampton, Knowles, Shapiro, all those folks are friends of mine and a lot more at Daily Wire. But that movie is a game changer. And you should go see that movie if you haven't seen it already, and you'll see how bad the trans stuff is. Epic Times is doing great work on the trans stuff. PragerU is doing great work on the trans stuff. Uh, and so I think the blowback is coming. It's here. Uh, we're seeing it happen all the time. There are victories being won all the time. I just saw one of the hospitals in Tennessee just shut down their gender-affirming clinic. Thank you, Matt Walsh, for leading that fight. That's starting to happen all over the country. We're going to see more and more of that. We're going to see lawsuits against these places. We're seeing legislation in many, many states against these kinds of procedures, especially on children. I'm with Michael Knowles. This stuff has to be driven back to the underground. Like making sane or uh, crazy people, insane people into icons, celebrating the Dylan Mulvaney's of this world is not good for our society. This kind of stuff has always existed at the fringes of the society. You know, you, you can go to a seedy bar in the dark part of town, you know, the dangerous part of town and see a drag show. And, and some people have always been into that probably all through human history. It's not something that should be celebrated. It's not something that should be at the forefront of society. God knows it's not something that should be shared with children. And there are victories being won all over the country on this. There was a victory last week I want to report to you. Came out of America First Legal Proud to say my son works there, and this was his case at America First Legal. You guys heard the story of the Navy drag queen. Unbelievable. We had a drag queen that was made a, a video influencer, a social media influencer by the Navy. This was a violation of the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. This individual, this person, this dude dressed like as a woman, dressed like a woman, pretending to be as a woman, was uh, describing lewd sexual acts on other men, describing how much she hated her command, how much her command is incompetent, being very political, in uniform. All of these things are illegal under the UCMJ. And so a complaint was filed by America First Legal. Within one hour and 45 minutes, the Navy drag queen shut down all of his social media accounts, erased. Years of work building a following, years of work polluting our military, years of work polluting our society and our children, erased from the face of the web, Man, hats off and kudos to America First Legal for doing the hard work and a lot of other organizations involved in that. Like I said, Daily Wire, Epic Times, uh, a lot of uh, publications out there, PragerU doing great work, shutting down and fighting back in the trans war. And that rolls over beyond trans straight into all the alphabet soup stuff. And what we now have, which is Pride Month, which is really actually Pride. You have Pride Month, but you have Trans Recognition Day, lesbian, gay, pansexual, wh whatever. I mean, there's so many of them, I can't keep track of it. Frankly, the vast majority of it is fake. It's mental illness. It's sexual fantasy. We celebrate it hundreds of days a year. It's ridiculous. Pride Month is the pinnacle of all of that. It is the holy month for the left. Pride, meaning uh, wokeness, sexual pride, pride in your bizarre sexual behaviors, those have become sort of the holy stuff of the woke left. The 
pride flag is the holy flag of the woke left. You saw it flying at the, at the White House in the last week, flying in government buildings all over the country. But Pride Month is the holy month in their calendar. And it's not going very well for them. It started the pre-Pride Month was the Dylan Mulvaney scandal, which has cost Bud Light its top tier status as a beer in the United States of America. It's no longer the number one beer. Modelo is now the number one beer. Modelo, by the way, distributed by Bud almost all over the world by Anheuser, uh, Tranheuser-Busch, I should say, uh, but not in the United States. There's a different distributorship for Modelo. Modelo is now the number one beer in the United States and good riddance. Bud has destroyed its brand. You should not buy Bud. You should look up. They have over, Tranheiser Bush has over 137 products. I don't buy any of their stuff anymore. I'm not going to. I used to be a Corona drinker too. I won't drink Corona anymore. Not, I was not a Bud Light guy, but I was a Corona guy. Won't drink that anymore. So all of these things have been knocked off. The brand's down. There's a multi-billion dollar loss in the value of the entity. Keep going. Crush Tranheiser Bush. Crush Bud Light. We have to send a message when we can send a message. Same thing happening to Target. Target was good transing our kids. They've been transing our kids for a long time. They have pride sections during Pride Month and before Pride Month. And, and I went into my local Target and, and walked around. I just wanted to see it for myself, see if it was right here in the heart of Texas. And indeed, not at the front of the store anymore, towards the back of the store, but a full Pride section, including, by the way, Pride gingerbread houses. Because every grown adult makes rainbow gingerbread houses. No, it's clearly targeted at kids. There was a 12-inch vinyl doll clearly targeted at kids. They are trying to trans your kids. They are trying to sexually groom your children. And that's Target. And so for me, I don't shop at Target much. Now I shop at Target Zero. My pharmacy, which is CVS, was inside of Target. I'm not using that pharmacy anymore. I'm done with Target. And we have to do this as conservatives. We have to target Target. We have to target Bud. We have to stop them from transing the kids. And we're starting to see this a lot more board meetings, uh, shareholder meetings. They're not talking about their woke initiatives anymore because of the blowback. So keep pushing the blowback. Uh, we had it also with North Face this year. They had some crazy transsexual person, a man pretending to be a woman. It's just it is a mockery of women. It is an offense to God. It is an offense to women. It is an offense to children. It is an offense to people of faith all over the country. And we're going to have to fight back against that. It's not working out as the lefties intended. Good for you. Good for Pride Month. Uh, we have definitely done a job, all of us collectively, at pushing back on Pride Month. And it's we're only going to get stronger and better. Speaking of attacks, there have been a bunch of attacks on Convention of States recently. The attacks are coming, they're getting bigger, they're intensifying, and it makes me happy. Why does it make me happy? Because why does the left attack you? Why does the crazy woke left attack you? Why do your enemies attack you? They only attack you if they know you're over the target. And that sounds cliche, you hear it all the time, congratulations for being over the target, but we are over the target. And there were multiple pieces that came out this week, some of them very personally aimed at me and my family, uh, my wife and you know some of it's so funny like the worst stuff they can find uh my wife patty and i used to own a coffee house in a little town in northern california and uh, one of the things that we were famous for was very high-end desserts we had a chocolatier that made them for us the guy was a former monk he had made chocolates for the pope uh, many decades ago he was a pretty famous chocolatier and so we wanted to make sure when our customers walked up to that dessert case that they knew exactly what they were getting not just a piece of chocolate cheesecake or New York style cheesecake, but 
who they were made by, what kind of ingredients they were. And so one of the criticisms in this article, I mean, this is how, this is, you know, I'm a really bad guy. It said that we were exacting employers and we required our employees to be able to describe the cheesecake in detail. I know, I know I can hear the gas. You're shocked. The letters are going to pour in because we're just really tough bosses. We wanted our customers to know what they're getting. We wanted our people to be able to sell our products. But when you get hit pieces like that, right? And those are some of the bad things that they write about you. They literally said we were exacting employers. You know, they don't have very much. And so it's really interesting. It came from a leftist publication. We also saw uh, an essay written by our op-ed written by Russ Feingold, a former socialist senator from Wisconsin who wrote a book about us previously saying how bad convention of states is. You see that kind of stuff coming out, you know you're over the target. And so what do you do about it? Like they contact us, they ask us for comment. The reporter on the hit piece where they said we were exacting employers was incessant that she had to talk to us. And she sent us a list of like 70 things that you want to fact check, a whole bunch of them just absolutely untrue. Stuff in the article, absolutely untrue. So the temptation, the natural temptation is, I want to respond, I want to correct the record. You hear people say, oh, well, you got to get your piece in there because otherwise they're going to write about you anyway and they're only going to write the negative stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you something. From 14 years of personal experience being engaged in politics now, they're always going to write the negative stuff. They don't care if you respond. They're going to quote you out of context. They're only if they if you give them stuff that explains away the stuff and they can't overcome it, then they're just not going to put that stuff in there. They're not going to put your good explanations in there. The best thing you can do, the best thing any organization can do, the best thing any politician can do is re refuse absolutely to give oxygen to leftist publications. Those are your enemies. They don't intend you any good. They intend you only harm. They control the pen. They control the keyboard. You don't control what gets in the article or not. And so our job is to deprive them of oxygen, right? And so I didn't respond to the reporter. You know, she was commanded by her editor to go out, get the interview with Mark Meckler, get the interview with Patty Meckler. They literally contacted people from my college, my law school professors. They were digging for any dirt they could possibly find. But the crown jewel would have been an interview with me, and we deprived them of that. And I understand that the Republican Congressional Caucus in the House right now, they have a, they do not, uh, a policy, they don't talk to the left. You won't see them on CNN. You won't see them on MSNBC. You won't see them talking to the New York Times. We go to friendly outlets or neutral outlets, and we're happy to talk to them. We're happy to answer any and all questions. That's the way it works. What we're doing is we're helping to build an alternative infrastructure over time. And we're seeing it happen. CNN will crumble. MSNBC will crumble. All these leftist publications, the New York Times and the like will crumble. Even their own readers, their own listeners, their own viewers know they're not telling the truth. So they're losing ratings. Our job is to build up that alternative infrastructure where the truth can thrive. So if you're in politics and you get approached by people on the left, you just don't talk to them just doesn't work out well for you. So the attacks have continued, but there's been one more major news piece I want to talk about, which is Governor Gavin Grusom from California has proposed calling an Article 5 convention. I'm completely shocked by this because everybody on the left, moveon.org, Daily Cause, Common Cause, Center on Public, Public Policy, Budget and Public Policy Priorities, all of them Planned Parenthood, they're all against it. Hillary Clinton, all against, they're against 
calling a convention of states generally. They use all the same runaway arguments you hear from people. And then suddenly Gavin Newsom comes out and he says he wants to call an Article 5 convention. Now, I want you to understand, he didn't say, I support Mark Meckler in convention of states because he doesn't like anything we're doing in our convention. So he would never support our convention. He knows that you can't do what he wants to do with our convention. What he wants to do is essentially gut the Second Amendment. He said he's going to leave the Second Amendment intact. He proposed a bunch of gun restrictions, which don't leave the Second Amendment intact. But he wants to propose all these. And he knows the only way he's going to get them. The courts aren't going to support him. The laws aren't going to be upheld. He needs to amend the Constitution. So he proposes what he calls the 28th Amendment to the Constitution. And it's a bunch of gun restrictions. Well, this does several interesting things for COS. Number one is it makes us ask, well, if he's in support of Article 5, what about all the left-wing arguments that any convention can run away? Obviously, Gavin Newsom and his supporters don't believe that. So I'm looking forward to seeing Common Cause, Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, Hillary Clinton, Planned Parenthood, La Raza, and all these groups come out and condemn Governor Gavin Newsom because he's proposing a convention that could run away, could be dominated by conservatives, which is what they say, and we could lose our beloved constitution that they don't really care about. So will the lefties attack the lefty? Of course, the answer is no. We know the answer to that. There are no standards on the left if there's not a double standard. So they're nothing but hypocrisy all the way top to bottom. So they're not going to do that. The other thing that's interesting is I would bet that some of our fringe opponents on the right, the JBS, the John BS Society, John Birch Society, that is so full of it that we have to call them the JBS. That's their name. And they're getting known widely by that name. And they now, now are in the camp of Newsom. And now Newsom even says there can't be a runaway convention. Newsom refuses to join COS. Newsom is not on the side of COS. Newsom acknowledges that there can be no repeal of the Second Amendment in our Convention of States application, which is now past 20 states. So, hey, Jay, BS, what do you think about that? Huh? All right, you're going to come out against Newsom. What are you going to do? Like he acknowledges that you can't do what you want to do. You all say we're going to lose the Second Amendment in our convention. Yeah, so you're in trouble. So don't take the bait. Don't take Governor Gavin Newsom's bait. Uh, there can't be a runaway convention. He could try to call one to repeal gun rights, but you can't get to 34 states. For goodness sake, there are 27 states that have permitless carry, constitutional carry. There'll be more on the way, but 27 now, 24 states, you can carry your handgun in the state legislature. How in God's name are they going to get 34 states to call and 38 states to ratify anything that limits the Second Amendment? They can't. Governor Gavin Newsom knows it. He's doing it as a fundraising mechanism. He'll get lots of support from New York and New Jersey and, and maybe California and Illinois and the very leftist states. But the rest of us know it's just a fantasy and it's an attention-getting thing from them. All right, lastly but not least is what's up with Convention of States this week. So as I told you yesterday, I was in New Jersey, in New Egypt uh, for COS Fest. I love that event. I love going to my friends at the church there in New Jersey hanging out in conservative red meat, red Republican New Jersey. I love it there. And I love it because it proves that there are great people all over America. In the coming couple of weeks, we're going to be moving forward in North Carolina. Uh, right now, their Senate is still tied up in budget discussions, but will be talked about in caucus as soon as that's over. So I'm expecting that we've got the votes and we're going to pass hopefully out of caucus, onto the out of committee and onto the floor before the end of July when their session ends. That's what I'm looking for in New Jersey. 
Uh, and so that's kind of what's going on in convention estates uh, right now is North Carolina is kind of the thing. We're moving into what's called interim, which is when most of the legislatures are out of session. We'll be traveling all over the country. We'll be spending a lot of time in Idaho and Iowa specifically. I had a great conversation with a new friend in Moscow, Idaho. That's a kind of ground zero, I think, for conservatives uh, in Idaho. Idaho is a really important place, even though it's a low population state, it's an important place in the fight for conservatism. So I expect to be headed out there sometime this summer as well. I'm gonna go to Q&A because no battle cry is complete without the Q&A. Uh, Angie asks, when will Americans understand that it's our responsibility to make better decisions when it comes to choosing our leaders? Oh, and isn't that the question? I think God only knows the answer to that question. I think a lot of us know. I think maybe enough of us knew in the last election, right? Uh, but we've got to get over all this crazy election fraud stuff. Uh, we've got to get over a media that really rigs the elections. We're going to have that this time. We're already seeing it. The media is going to cover what they want. Everything else they're going to cover with a pillow until it dies. That's their goal, right? That's the leftist media. So part of it is about the media and building alternative infrastructure. Uh, Bo uh, Von Boyajian says, what's the goal of COS? The simple goal of COS, to take the power away from the federal government and give it back to the states. There are three subject matter areas for the Convention of States Resolution. In a convention, you can talk about anything that would impose term limits on the federal government. That's not only Congress, but it's also the deep state staffers, bureaucrats, and potentially the judiciary. And so those are things that can be proposed. It's also anything that would impose fiscal restraints on the federal government. That would include a balanced budget amendment, tax caps, spending caps, imposing generally accepted accounting principles on the federal government. And finally, anything that would impose scope and jurisdiction limits on the federal government. What I mean by that is anything that would tell them, nope, can't do that anymore. And be involved in education or energy or the environment or healthcare, things that were never intended for the federal government and things that the states do quite well on their own in their own individual ways. So summing it up, Vaughn, it's really a return to federalism and the enumerated powers. Bart Montez or Monty says, this is my first time watching. Thanks for the honesty and truth. No fluff. God bless. And I'll subscribe and watch more videos. God bless you, Bart. Tell everybody you know to come visit us Sunday night on the Battle Cry. Got a lot more coming in the coming year. We're going to have a lot of different shows, content. I'll keep you posted. J.R. Wilmoth asks, thank you for pointing to Jesus Christ as the ultimate hope. May he help us with a strong hand and outstretched arm. You know, I get a lot of comments about this, and some of them are, most of them are great, like you, uh, J.R. Some of them are critical of me, like, don't make this all about religion. And it's not all about religion. However, I have to say, as a person of faith, everything I do is influenced by my faith. So when I go out in the public square and I talk politics, of course, that's influenced by my faith. Of course, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as somebody who believes in the Bible, as the infallible word of God, I'm going to be influenced by that. And I'm never going to be shy to talk about it. But I also want to say to those of you who might not be believers, those of you who might be seekers, those of you who might be agnostic, those of you who might be of other faiths, those of you who might be of no faith, I'm here for you as well. I spent most of my life either as an atheist or an agnostic. I didn't come to believe in Jesus Christ until I was 51 years old. Uh, I hope that you find the same hope that I found. But if you don't, if you're where I was or if you're somewhere else, I love you anyway. And we're in the fight together because you're here probably because you believe in most of the same things I do as far as what we need to do politically. And so we're in that fight together one way or another. Mike Thomas said, I enjoy and appreciate your input. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Mike. That's simple. I appreciate that you're here enjoying it. That's why we do it. 
Marilyn Cologne or Colin says, please keep it going. Jersey here. Marilyn, I hope you're going to be out there in New Egypt, or I hope I saw you out there, I mean, on Saturday. And hopefully you came up and said hello to me. I don't remember you in particular. I apologize for that. So many people come up and talk to me, and I'm really embarrassed to say this. You know, I'll get 100 people to come say hello to me at an event, and I'm not that good at remembering names. I do remember names after a while, uh, but one time I'm not that good. So, Marilyn, I hope you were there. I hope your family was there. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, Cindy Ann Fout says, please keep doing the battle cry. You're one of my favorite news and sports sites. Thank you, Cindy Ann. We decided we're going to keep doing the battle cry. We may revamp format at some point. We may put in some new cameras, do some new things to make it more interesting. But most people wanted us to keep doing the battle cry. I love doing the battle cry. So, you know, I win. I'm the deciding vote. We're going to keep doing the battle cry for now and for now. Sunday night. I'm going to say to you, I love you. I appreciate you all. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being part of the battle cry. Don't forget the call to action. Go out, find candidates, be a candidate. Uh, by the way, support COS, buy the swag, the hats, the shirts. They're all there. They're really cool. A lot of cool new stuff coming. We will see you next week on the Sunday night battle. Cry. This has been the podcast version of the battle cry with Mark Meckler. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. Thank you for listening.